0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصدى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبل القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في العردين Ajallahu ta'ala farajab al-sharif wa ja'alana min and wa ansarih Allahumma akhrijni min dhulumat al-ghams wa akrimni bi nur al-fahm Allahumma iftah alayna abwaaba rahmatik wanshur alayna khazaana 'ulumik bi rahmatika like previous sessions we start with hadith about knowledge significance of learning this hadith is from tafsir of Imam Askeri. There's a book of tafsir attributed to Imam Askari upon And in this Imam upon him, quotes Prophet Muhammad. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has encouraged, or even you can say urged, so very seriously, strongly encouraged, to be kind to orphans. and an Because orphans have lost their... Parents, their fathers. فمن سانهم سَأَنَهُ الله Whoever protects orphans, provide them with shelter, protection, care. Allah will protect him. Sana We heard Siyana means to protect. So whoever protects them, Allah subhanahu wa taala will protect him. Waman akramahum, akramahullah. Whoever respects them, honors them, Allah will respect them, honor them. Waman masah yadahu biraas yatiman rafkan bih. Whoever wipes the head of an orphan with his hand out of you know, love. Jalallahu ta'ala lahufil janatib becul sharatin marat tahta yadihi kasran au sauminad dunya bemafiha. Before I translate this, I have to explain something as a reminder that the least item, the smallest, the least item in heaven is much more valuable than whole dunya. <coughs> is it agreeable or not? Because the whole dunya is material. Even the least heavenly item is more valuable than dunya. Dunya is mata'un qadeen. But going to heaven is frozen Adim. So, for every piece of hair that goes under the hand of someone who puts his hand on the head of an orphan, okay, so every piece of hair, I don't know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of hairs are there. For every piece of hair that goes under his hand or her hand, Allah would give him or her a palace for every piece of earth, which is larger than dunya, awsa'u dunya bima So all dunya is less <coughs> important than that palace. anfus wa a'yun. And in those palaces, there will be whatever their souls would yearn for, desire, and whatever gives pleasure to their eyes. hum And it's not just for a few nights. Sometimes you go to a very good resort place for a few nights. This is forever. If we really believe in this and take this into consideration, we would have been fighting over protecting orphans. This is such a great opportunity. قال الإمام عليه السلام Then Imam Alayhi Ali said, Imam Askari, عليه السلام. وأشد من يُطمه الْيَتِيم يَتِيمٌ إن قطع الإمامة We have people whose orphanage is even greater. There are orphans who need more care, or you will get more reward to look after them. And those are the people who have no access to their imam. The Shia in the time of Ghaybah, they are orphans, because their father Rasulullah and Amirul Mu'mineen are not there. Rasulullah said, Ana yun wa Ali and I are parents of this Ummah. They are not with us. Imam Zaman is not with us. So we are all orphans. So any Shia who manages to look after his brothers and sisters as an elder brother, he gets the reward of looking after orphans of Ali Muhammad. You know, sometimes your brother dies, you are a... Eldest, you know, son. You look after other brothers and sisters. So this is the best way of looking after orphans. Because these are orphans that also you have a special duty towards them. So, <laughs> The one who is in a serious... More severe situation is an orphan who has no access to his Imam. He doesn't know what ruling applies to him in practical issues of life. He doesn't know. Is it wajib to do this or is it you know wajib to do this? Is it haram? Is it wajib? Is it mustahab? All these rulings he doesn't know. Allah, Feman Min Amin Shi Atena, Aleman Beulumina, Fahad al Jahilu Beshari Atena, Al Mun Katawan Mushahadatina, Yati Munfi Hudra. Be aware. Any of our Shia who knows our knowledge. The people who don't know our rulings and our Sharia who are not able to see us are orphans on their lap. They are orphans. Don't look at their age. Maybe they are 40 years old. They are 60 years old. But they are orphans. Because they don't have their imam. So any Shia Alib who knows our knowledge should know that the rest who are in need of his guidance are orphans. Allah Hadahu Wa arshadahu Wa Shariatana Ala. Whoever guides such orphans. And teaches them our fiqh and our teachings. He would be with us in the highest position. So, if feeding, giving dress, giving money to orphan has so much reward that Rasulullah said, For someone who puts with love his hand on the head of an orphan for every piece of her, he would be given a palace greater than dunya. Then imagine how would be the situation of an alim who looks after his community and tries to teach them true teachings of Ahlulbayt for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not for the sake of anything else. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our ulama scholars and marajah and include us, inshallah, among the seekers of knowledge. Okay, we continue our discussion about this is our fourth session, but still we have two discussions remaining from third lesson. One is about infallibility and the other is about the seal of Prophethood. So, infallibility is page 60. <coughs> so we start with page 60. <laughs> All Muslims agree that the prophets and messengers and Anbiya wal mursalun or Anbiya wal Rusul, prophets are Anbiya who are 124,000, and Mursalun or Rusul are messengers who are 330. So, all of Muslims, they believe that they were infallible with respect to delivery of the message of God. With respect to Rasala. There's no difference among Muslim scholars, theologians about infallibility of the prophets with respect to delivery of the message. For example, when Musa salam, was teaching people Torah, definitely he was mass infallible. Isa salam, when he was teaching people about religion, about you know gospel was Masum Prophet Muhammad was infallible when it was a matter of teaching them the Quran, teaching them you know, Sharia and so on and so forth. But, there are different opinions among Muslim theologians beyond delivery of message. <coughs> For example, When it comes to the personal life of the prophets, for example, if a prophet goes home and meets his wife, is it possible that he may get angry with his wife and you know treat her badly? Some Muslims say yes. They say this is not a matter of Rasala. About delivery of message, they are ma'asum, But in their personal life, they may make mistakes. They may commit even sins. But some of them say they may commit sins which are minor. Some say they may commit sins unintentionally even if they are major. They may commit major sins unintentionally. Some say they may commit Minor sins, even intentionally. It's all about personal life. Maybe a prophet going back home, he forgets his home, how to get there. They say it's not a prophet, it's a personal life. But they never forget when they are reciting divine scripture to people. A prophet may make a mistake. You know, our... uh, Sunni brothers have this story that, for example, the Prophet once saw that some farmers in Medina for fertilization of date trees, they do artificial, you know, fertilization, you know, by bringing male and female, you know, he said, don't do this out of hayat. Then next year they had less, you know, dates. So he said, you know better, do what you want. So this is a very... You know, common story that many uh, non Shia scholars have this. So they say this is a personal issue. This is not about Rasala, it's not about din. Even they quote that Rasulullah said, In your dunya, you know better. Also, the period before becoming prophet. For example, Prophet Muhammad became Prophet in the age of forty. Those forty years, according to many Muslim scholars, theologians, are not forty years of infallibility. For some prophets, maybe it was more or less, but Before becoming prophet, there is no need to be infallible. Maybe, for example, even there was a prophet who was idol worshiper, then he repented. And then he became a monotheist, and then he became prophet. There is no need to think that throughout their life, there were masum. So, inshallah, you would see in the book some quotations from Asharites, from Mutazilites. But the idea of the Shia is that the prophets are infallible not only in delivery of the message, but also in their personal life. And not only in their personal life after becoming prophet, even before becoming the prophet. So we have to discuss few areas. Delivery of the message that is universally accepted. Personal life after becoming prophet and personal life before becoming prophet. When it comes to personal life after becoming prophet, we have different arguments. We can argue from the Quran, we can argue from Hadith, but something very simple and rational is this do you think that average people we are not talking about philosophers who can understand very fine differences very delicate you know issues so that for example they can say a man can make a mistake in his house but he would not make mistake in masjid this is something philosophers may understand and accept but average people if they see someone in his personal life makes mistakes then he would not they would not trust him when he is talking about religion if he is not just with his family then he, they would not accept that his judgment in the masjid is okay they cannot distinguish between these things either they trust someone Or they don't trust. They cannot say we trust you when you are, you know, a member. But when you come to the road and uh, streets of Medina, we don't trust. Such distinctions are not acceptable by people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to guide us out of his grace, out of lotf, as we call it. You know, we have a rule of lotf in Kalam. Inshallah, in more advanced books, you know, we study that. Out of his grace, he provides us with guides, with prophets. But in order to benefit, we have to trust them. You know, it's not just enough to provide people with guide; You have to make sure that they also are trusted. Yeah? You know, imagine if we provide you with doctors, but you are not able to trust them. Because they don't have any certificate, they don't have any, I don't know, recognition, they have not been introduced to you properly. If there is Alim, but people are not able to trust, it cannot function. Allah provides people with guides. If people are not able to trust them, then the purpose has not been achieved. Especially, the Prophet's I have not come to people who are already religious. You know, for example, we have our own ulama, we have our maraje. We don't expect from them to be ma'asum. Okay, but that's not a big deal. Why? Because we are already ourselves religious. We are already committed, and we know that they can help us to the best of knowledge, to the best of understanding. But we don't expect from them to be ma'asum. But a prophet comes to change lifestyle of people totally. The people who are idol worshippers, he's asking them to stop worshipping idols and adopt a new religion. The people who, I don't know, take usury, he asks them to stop. The people who are drinking alcohol and gambling, he asks them to stop. They are... Burying their daughters alive. He asked them to stop. So a prophet comes with demands which are not easy to accept. And if people have a little chance of questioning his trustworthiness and honesty and integrity, they would say, we cannot trust this person. Imagine the situation of Prophet Muhammad wasallam. And now I want also to say why the Prophet has to be also a person who has lived virtuous life even before. Prophet Muhammad was not an unknown person. He didn't come from another part of the world or from another planet. Rasulan min anfusahim He was one of the people of mecca and they knew him very well they knew his family his ancestors and they had very high position not necessarily financially but they come from very noble and respected family sometimes they were very rich sometimes maybe they were not very rich but they were always respected And the Prophet himself, throughout his life, he was outstanding in his moral character. To the extent that even before Islam, he used to be known as Al Amin, the trustworthy. You know, sometimes you are dealing with moral people spiritual people who are very concerned about moral values and out of their concern they try to encourage people to promote people and say okay you are a generous person you are a i don't know honest person this is very natural because they want to encourage people but in a society in which morality was their very last concern if there was a concern at all for morality the Prophet must be so much outstanding in his moral excellence that even those <laughs> idol worshippers had no choice other than giving him credit for his virtues. So a society who is thousands of miles away from moral lifestyle, he finds Rasulullah Wasallam. They found Rasulullah outstanding in his molar character and in particular aman, trustworthiness. This recognition of trustworthiness of Rasulullah helped him a lot. Anyone who was sincere as soon as I heard Rasulullah saying that God has given me this message for your guidance, I would have trusted him. You know, once Rasulullah asked the people of Mecca, if I tell you that behind this mount, I think was Mount Abu Ghubais, if I tell you behind this mount is an army of enemies who want to attack you, would you accept my word and would you prepare yourself for defense they said yes definitely we have never heard any lies from so he said i warn you about the punishment of allah on the day of judgment the hereafter so those who were truth-seeking and honest and humble they would have accepted because this man never said any lie never did anything you know selfish Anything, you know, just to secure his own selfish interests. Then this continued. For 13 years after he became prophet, he lived such a life of trustworthiness. Not only now for his own people not saying okay so far I was trustworthy for everyone from now I only limited to my Muslim community I am not going to be accepting you not know, to deliver back the trust of for example pagans no he lived such a life that people who were his enemies who were killing Muslim torturing Muslim confiscating their properties and Prophet had to leave Medina in order to save himself and other Mu'mineen and establish a community in Medina, still they were leaving their valuables as trust with Rasulullah. And one of the tasks of Amir al-Mu'mineen was to give this trust back to them, to the people of Mecca, and join Rasulullah. Can you see the value of this? We are not a good Muslim unless our enemies, if they have valuables, they say, I have to leave it with this Muslim. Even our enemies. If I have a secret and I want to, you know, confide with someone, I can tell a Muslim. He would keep it for me. If I have, you know, to go and I have my family, I'm worried, I can ask a Muslim to look after me. Even enemies should think like this. Not normal people so rasulullah with such character uh, still these people were looking for excuses not to believe in him Uh, still you know sometimes saying he's na'uzubillah majnun he's mad sometimes he's a magician sometimes saying that for example he's after power (coughs) now imagine if rasulullah was an ordinary person Who up to yesterday used to be one of them. And he says, I have changed and I have become pious and Allah chose me. No chance of accepting him. Who was there to trust him wholeheartedly and be ready to give his life but not to give in? How people like Yasser and like Bilal and Ammar and you know Sumayya, all these people were able to trust him wholeheartedly so we believe that it's not possible to partition lives of prophets into different compartments and say in this area they should be masum, in that area they don't need to be masum. here they can make mistakes but here they don't make mistakes This is not possible. What we need is they should have such a life that people can 100% trust them. Now a question arises what is the reality the true nature of Esma? Is it a kind of restriction in the sense that god does not let them commit sins they may go towards sins but then all of a sudden a hidden force stops them or it's different here our scholars have lots of discussion and i have in here also a quotation from in brief the idea is that the prophets first of all are human beings they also may make sins they may commit sins they are not like angels who have no ability to commit sins and this is actually the advantage and the merit of the prophets that they can make sins but they don't make sins they can commit sins they don't commit so they have the ability they have the power and they have different desires but they have such understanding such ma'rifah of their relation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an ugliness of sins that despite their power, they would not want to commit sin. They have power, but they don't want because they see so clearly the ugliness of sins. We have also to some extent this type of experience, but with respect to not all the sins, but with respect to some of the sins, for example, One of the sins is to go to the street nakedly. We are able to do that. We have power. But who is here going ever to do this? We are ma'soom with respect to this sin. We never decide to do this. Even if people, you know, say, Please, we request you to do this. Or they say, no, we give you money to do this. We are never going to do this. Or for example, (coughs) for Mu'minin, drinking, for example, alcohol. It's not that we don't have power. We have power. But even thinking about it makes us sick. Even thinking that I am drinking... It makes me think, sick. There are many sins that Alhamdulillah, because of the way we have been brought up, and because of our ability to see the ugliness of the action, we have some kind of infallibility, some kind of isma Or for example, one of the major sins is to kill yourself, to commit suicide. Most of people are ma'asum; They never, you know, commit suicide. Because they know that it's bad. For the prophets, telling lies is more obviously bad than drinking alcohol or than, for example, going to the street naked backbiting al-gheebatu ashaddu minas zina a mu'min never thinks of committing adultery and and we all know that backbiting is even worse than adultery so they never you know even think of ghiba. so they have such understanding of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their relation with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the ugliness of the sins and the Impact that sins have on their <coughs> purity and uh, p- purity and piety that they would never decide to commit a sin For them sins are different They also have sins, but not like this for them their sin is To forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even for a second For them the sin is not you know doing muharramat that are expressed in fiqh for them committing a sin is not to be at their highest level of consciousness with respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if a prophet is for example eating he is very hungry and he's eating but he forgets for example that I am eating in order to be able to serve Allah, this is a sin. Because for few seconds he has been heedless. So, we are dealing with people who are at another level of piety. So, the nature of Isma is this. Inshallah, in more advanced we should explain more, but just Briefly I mention make make another point and we move on to the Khatmun seal of the Prophet. The prophets. <coughs> Please say <the> salawat. Wow. <laughs> With respect to sins, are very, you know, detached, distanced. You may ask, what about mistakes? Mistakes are not as easy to avoid as sins. Because sins, you avoid them intentionally. Mistakes are not in your control. You may forget, you may make a mistake. The answer is this, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finds his servant, is doing his best, he is not taking any chance of making a sin. He tries to be pious, he is worried, he is concerned. He is very hard on himself. When Allah sees this in his servant, then Allah said, I am going now to help you with things which are not in your control. If you look after your piety as much as you have control, I will help you for those things that fall outside your control. You promised me not to commit a sin when you understand that this is a sin. I also promise you to help you when you don't understand. And this is why we say ma'asum. Now ma'soom is Isma Ma'a'ul, means protected. Why we say ma'soom Because Isma, protection, is a gift. But this gift is given to the people who qualify themselves. How can you qualify yourself for receiving the gift of Isma? By showing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you have done your best. With respect to those things that you were able to achieve by yourself. So... It's a gift, but not a free gift. So that we say, oh Allah, you could have given me also this gift and I would become like your prophets. Allah said, this is a gift, but I give this gift to the people who have worked hard. It's given based on merits. Like for example, after one year or after a few years of studying in the end of A study when people want to graduate, we may give some gifts to the excellent students. It's a gift. But those students who didn't study and they failed, or you know, they just got you know minimum or average, they shouldn't say you should give us also the same gifts. Say no, we give these gifts to the people who have proved their. Seriousness in their studies. They have done their best. In Dua'i Nudbe, there is a beautiful, there are many beautiful points, but beautiful points about this issue. In the beginning of Dua'i Be." we say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that with respect to the Prophets, you made a condition with them. You made a condition with all the Prophets. The condition was that you must not be attached to dunya. You must detach yourself from dunya. This is the main condition. All other things come under this. Anything worldly, you have to be detached. You should be ascetic. They also accepted this condition. Okay. Many people say we accept. But there is a test. But you knew that they are going to be keeping their promise, they are going to be loyal. When did you know? When did you know that they are going to be loyal? Not in the end of their life. Even before they were born. Because Allah, with his knowledge, knows what is going to happen in future. So when Allah knows that this servant of him till end of his life or her life is going to be pious, then Allah would support him even from before his birth. (laughs) Because you knew. He doesn't need to wait till you show that. It's important that he knows that you are going to do this. So you accepted them. وَقَرَّبْتَهُمْ And you brought them nearer to you. وَقَدَّمْتَ لَهُمُ الذِّكْرَ وَالْثَنَاءَ Then even from before they were born, you praised them. And you honored them and made people respect them. So, this support from Allah is based on the merits. But the support can come even before. Like for example, maybe as a teacher you have had this experience, sometimes, few weeks after the year starts, you see one student or few students are very outstanding. You see they work hard, they listen carefully, they are very moral, very polite. You don't need to wait till end of the year, from now you can support them extra. For example, you say, even in my break time, you can come and ask me. Even you can, for example, if you need extra hour, I can come to school and teach you. I I can, you know, lend you my books. You can support him because you know that this person has a future. And you are just a teacher, but based on your experience, you can understand this. What about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? For him... Past, present, future are the same. So you shouldn't be surprised that he knows what people are going to do in future. And based on that, even from before, he supports them in a special way. We have also similar to this about the lady Fatima to Zahra in her Ziyala. Ya Mumtahana oh the one who was examined and tested when she was tested when she was tested you may say okay after she was born she was tested during the life of lady fatima there were cases that she was tested but here we say no she was tested and examined even before the one who created you, tested you before he created you. So before creating you, he tested you and found that you are patient. So then he created you in a special way. And this is interpretation of the Ahadith about Tina. I don't know, have you heard there are hadiths of Tina? That Tina te- means clay. The clay from which, for example, a statue is made. So, Tina to the mu'min, the clay from which a mu'min is created, and the clay from which a kafir is created are different. Okay? For example, we have Shi'atuna khuliqo min father Latina. Our Shia are created from the remaining clay from which we are created. Okay, <laughs> what does it mean? Some people say, Oh, this means that there is jaab or predestination, because if Shia, for example, or Mu'mani are created from the special clay, so this is why then they are Mu'min, and those people are created from another clay, and that is why they are Kafir. No, it's opposite. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what type of person you are going to be, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give you to this world with a special wrapping, a special packing. For example, I want to have a very a special flower. Okay? Uh, do you call uh, onion for the flowers? Yeah? Uh, we plant the onion of because in Farsi we you say onion it's not onion but it's the father bulbs. bulbs yeah so you you have bulb of a very special flower still it's not with leaves and flower but you know that what type of flower is going to become so you choose a special pot even before this flower comes to this world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows who is going to be a good mu'min then even before he or she is born he has a special preparation for him. So this is Tina. Inshallah another time we should explain this more. But I hope it's clear this much. So Ya Mumtahanah The one who created you, tested you, before created you, and found you to be patient. This shows how patience is highly regarded as one of the best, if not the best, quality. So, is a gift, but a gift which is given to the people who deserve who have done something to qualify for it. We move on to the next discussion, and that is about Khatmun nubuwah We have a break here. Okay. Inshallah, after break, we continue. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alamin.